How many of you had heard that chorus before? How many of you knew the verses? It's only 30 years old. Rich Mullins and um, a buddy of his, and I can't remember his, his actual name, but he, he always called him Beaker. I don't know. Uh, wrote that song 30 years ago, 1992. And it's one of those new songs, you know. Um, it's only 30 years old. But um, I asked Allison to, uh, to work on that one, just the chorus, and they nailed the verses too. That's, and it's not an easy song to get there. That's the, the theme that we're going to be in for a few weeks here is seeking the Lord step by step. I invite you to turn to Psalm 63 today. That's where we are going to be, and I will explain a little bit more how we got there here in a moment. Let's stand together as we read this psalm together. We're going to read the whole thing. It's 11 verses. You'll be okay. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be soft. Lord, I pray that you teach us to seek you this new year in a fresh and a new way, knowing that, um, that you are faithful, even as we falter. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe see you. Um, in my personal life, um, in the last few weeks, I've been really just thinking about this thing of holiness. Um, holiness, what does it mean? First of all, um, it's not something we can do by ourselves. And um, I, in, in that, I, I thought of a few books, and then I closed all the apps on my handy-dandy little device here, and now I've got to find them. Um, oh, come on, Greg. This is, we love technology, right? All right. Um, it also helps to check to make sure the app is open before you open the thing. All right. So, anyway. Um, our lives are special. Okay? I don't want anyone to ever be in the presence of the, this body and these people in this book and, and think that you are not a unique, special important person in the eyes of God. And that's where we, uh, we really must, uh, must start in this. And as we look at this thing called holiness, we must realize that in our existence, in this image that we have been created, that in ourselves we are not holy. 
Holiness is all about God's purity, God's grandeur, God's glory. And it is something that He alone possesses. And it is something that He alone gives. In that, when you have received the gift, He calls us to that pursuit, that pursuit of holiness. I've been reading a couple of books. One of them has that title, The Pursuit of Holiness. It's by a pastor named Jerry Bridges. The, the, the reason I chose Psalm 63 is because of another author that I've been reading from the early 20th century, excuse me, <coughs> named A.W. Tozer. Probably a more familiar name to a lot of you. Uh, so smart. I'm glad God put smart people on earth because I'm not that smart. And so when I read what they say and how they have examined God's uh, pursuit of us, it, it helps me change my perspective about who God is. But we must remember that in order to pursue God, we must realize that He has pursued us. And in order to rightly pursue Him, we must belong to Him. And that, that song we just sang, Sometimes by Step, we, we, I think about a lot of the words in that and how we falter in our steps, how we stumble and how we, we are in ourselves unrighteous. God in His grace, though, offers us His Word. Now, Baptists, historically and rightfully so, are called people of the book. Well, what book might that be? You know what Bible means? Book. And I encourage you, hey, it's only January 2nd. You're only a day behind. Start now and work your way through the Bible. You know, if you take your Bible, even if you don't have a plan with it right now, um, you can look, go to the end and count how many pages are in it and do the math and divide it by 365. That's how many days we have this year. And you'll get how many pages you need to read every day. And now, I know that a lot of us, and I don't, th- there's this foreign document that I don't really remember too well. It's called a newspaper. I don't remember that too well. I know some of you still read through the whole thing every day. That's a lot more than four pages. I know that I read things, whether or not it's a newspaper, I'll read plenty of things, or I'll watch something that will take up plenty of time that could be used to the devotion of God's Word. And so really reading God's Word together, and a friend of mine on, uh, from high school this week encouraged me because she asked me a year ago, what do we do if we want to read the Bible? And I said, well, you make the time and you read it. And she tells me this week, that she did it this year. Well, I encourage you to get there as well. I remember a few years ago, I took an English Standard Version, which is the version I preach out of. It was not this one. This one's a little fatter than the one I preached out of, or than I read out of a few years ago. And I, and I took the pages, divided it by 365. It basically turned out to be like 2.78 pages a day. I didn't do that math every day. I read three pages a day. And guess what? I marked where I stopped, I wrote it down the day, and then there we went. The next day, I picked up right where I left off. Now, 
you can start anywhere and do that. I've done that two or three different times. I've started at the beginning and read all the way through the Bible. You can start with an Old Testament book first, read it like that, then go to a New Testament book, read it there back and forth. That you don't have to read it straight through. It kind of seems intimidating. But as a good friend of mine told me long ago when I was going through some hard times in schoolwork, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And that's how we see this. Not that the Bible should be compared to an elephant, but we see that this can be intimidating to look and read this. Yet many of us will sit down and read a novel on a weekend. That's just the way it rolls. Um, So I encourage you there to be in God's Word. Not because that is the end in itself. And I'm going to get you to this point right now. This is a quote from Tozer in The Pursuit of God. The Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to bring men and women to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God, that they may enter into Him, that they may delight in His presence, may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God Himself in the core and center of their hearts. The reason we read the Scriptures is because that's where we find God. And so I encourage you today to make that commitment in your lives. And even if you don't want to read through the whole Bible in a year, read a page a day. Read a chapter a day. You're going to have plenty to chew on, plenty to learn from. Because this book is God's testimony of His work in this world, and it is where we find Jesus. And that account is given to us as the path to salvation. So now He calls us to this pursuit, the holy pursuit of Him. And in Psalm 63 we see what happens in response to our thirst for God. Now, I think about that, and maybe God did this to me for a reason. Maybe it's because it's, what, 12? Oh, it's above 30 now. Congratulations, guys. It'll be thawing on the way out. But because it was so cold today and everything was so dry, even my hand, I mean, I can feel it in my hands and my my tongue is dry, so I'll take a sip here because I'm talking about it. It's making me think about it. You know, I think about other passages. I think it's Psalm it's in the 40s. I think Psalm 42. I could be wrong. Don't, it's okay. You quiz me later. I didn't write it down to remember for sure. But where it says, as the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you. And I think of uh, animals in this kind of weather. And I think about the two animals beyond my human friends that live in my house. And um, they, right now, when they come in the house... They don't stay outside long, but when they come in, they're so thirsty. And Sadie, Chris's dog, who's living with us right now, Chris is here this morning, heading back to the army. Anyway, uh, we she is this she she will eat all the food, and she will drink all the water. You have to distract her from drinking all the water, so she has some, you know, at ten o'clock versus three o'clock in the morning when she might be thirsty again. But that picture is something of all or nothing, right? We get thirsty and we want it all. And then we overflow with that. And that's the way we are to approach God. And that's what the psalmist here, David, King David, was saying. Where was he? It says in the header here is that he was in the wilderness of Judah. Now, if you know anything about the life of David, you know it was not calm and settled. And most of it, Not all of it, 
But most of it was because things happened to him. He was a shepherd boy. God called him to be king when someone else was on the throne. King Saul heard about this, was not happy about it. So how did things work out the rest of David's life? The king pursued David, and he went and hid in the wilderness. Now, in his darkest moments, when his life was threatened, his first thought that he writes here is not of rescue. He does ask for that rescue. But most of all, what he asks for here is God's presence. Verse 1 says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land, there is no water. When we pursue God, we come to a place where we realize our own inadequacies. When you really seek after God, we recognize His goodness because when we wouldn't be able to seek Him except that He has already sought us. And that's the presumption that Tozer makes throughout this text is that God first pursues us, our hearts, to salvation. But David, when he comes to God, he gets this thirst because he has already tasted and seen, as it says in another of the Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. Verse 2, I actually managed to turn the page, which I had a problem with during the initial reading of the Scriptures here. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. Verse 3 is one that I have memorized in the past. And it says, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that we need to be reminded of constantly, that God's love is greater than our life. It goes beyond it. It goes in, in to the point that He desires for us to be in His presence for eternity. What is His response to God's supply here? He says, I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Now, I, I wonder sometimes, was David on this course his entire life when we read these psalms? Well, if he's in the wilderness of Judah, he's probably experienced some hardship. You know, he was there multiple times. He was there when his own son pursued him. He was there when Saul pursued him, his father-in-law, the king. He was hiding and asking for protection. But what did he find? He found the love of God. The greatest thing that we can pursue in all of our personal hardships is the face of God. And when we experience that, we experience His presence. As long as he lived, he would praise him. Did he falter in that? Absolutely. If you know anything about David, he was an adulterer, he was, an mur- he was a murderer, he was a liar. Yes, but his heart, as God called him a man after his own heart, his heart sought the Lord. Friends, we are going to trip up and falter in 2022. It will happen. But he calls us to grace. How do I know that? Because he calls us to his presence. He calls us there boldly. He doesn't call us there 
by to, to be shy in that. One of my favorite verses I quoted off in Hebrews chapter 4. We boldly go before the throne of grace because of what Christ has done for us in His sacrifice, His goodness, His love, because His love is better than life. We praise Him. We see His goodness. And what do we find when He supplies that to us? We find contentment. Let's look at verses 5 through 8. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my soul will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of night. This is all one long sentence here. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Now, we have just finished two or three, if, it, if you count it, of the biggest food holidays of the year. And it comes when the weather's like this outside. Right? What are you supposed to do when you fill your body full of calories? Get the calories out. When it is uh, really cold outside? I can't say that's when I usually get out and do those things. Especially after this past year. I could tell you in the last couple of days, I have not had the attitude of going boldly out into places because of recovering from ankle surgery and things like this. My thought is like, do I really want to go out there and possibly step on ice? I go out with timidity, right? So this morning, I'm walking across the parking lot like this. Well, so many of us, though, think that that's how we should approach God. Because He is holy. How could we possibly be worthy of it? Well, in ourselves, we are not. But through Jesus, we are. And that's the whole reason that we celebrate Christmas is because the incarnation, God with us, because Jesus has paid that price and shown us His faithful love, then we now don't have to kind of, you know, peace. No, we go boldly and we hug our daddy. God is our Father, and He's shown us His great love for us. We remember these things. When do we do this? He supplied us with rich food. We will give Him praise for all of those things. Why do we ask for a blessing at our mealtime? Why do we give thanks? Because God has provided these things for us. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. I remember you on my bed and I meditate you, on you in the watches of the night. You've been my help. In the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. There is no greater peace than the presence of God. And if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, He gives you His Spirit and you dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. We cling to God. That's the pursuit of Him, right? We cling to His heart and His life. We know that only through Him do we have that grace. We cling to Him because that right hand, that hand of strength, is what holds us and protects us. That right hand is where the Son is seated next to the Father at the throne room of God right now. That right hand brings us our salvation. I want to bounce to the New Testament a little bit right now, to Philippians chapter 3, which for those of you who have studied the New Testament, probably a familiar place. But um, this reminds us that what we have is all because of Him. 
The Bible is consistent within itself. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. I preached through this a couple of months ago. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth. Try again. Surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, and not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may, may attain the resurrection from the dead. If you were here a couple of months ago, I, I used this as a picture of Paul's story of salvation and reminding us that if you know Christ, you have your own story of salvation, where God met you, where that pursuit was complete. And now he calls us back to him. We may falter in our steps, that song said, but never beyond his reach. We live out our trust in him because of how he has already offered us the salvation in Jesus Christ. What is the goal? It's a paradox. And it brings us to a place of humility. And that's really where I see Psalm, Psalm uh, 63. That we rejoice in the power, and know Him in the power of His resurrection, and may share in His sufferings. The power of His resurrection. And, the, and share in His sufferings. How do we recognize our sufferings in the light of Christ? We realize that we are sinners in need of a Savior is that for my sin and for yours individually, for the world as a whole, Christ died. And it wasn't a pretty death. The most cruel and vicious death in the history of the earth. That crucifixion, that scourging, the suffering, the separation from His Father when they knew the ultimate unity, the Son and Father being one. But it didn't end there. So, so, so many of us, end up carrying this guilt that my sin is so bad. How could God ever love me? Friends, have you experienced the power of the resurrection? Because that is the conquering of the sin of the world. That we might know Him. That we might live out that grace and be worthy of what He has done. Going back to Psalm 63, we see that our life will know hardship. We are going to experience hard times this coming year. You may have experienced the hardest times of your life this past year. The last couple of years, honestly, have not been that good for anybody. God is faithful to you through his struggle, through this struggle. Because he was faithful to us, even to death, death on the cross. Those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. This is the confidence that David has in his king, the Lord. 
They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult. I lo- that's a, an amazing word that's hard to parallel in regular language. To exalt something is to lift it to the highest level you could possibly be. So in this love, in this God, he exalts. He praises through the suffering. The mouths of liars will be stopped. Life does not, in practice, get easier. It's amazing when you look back on things. And I remember some, some times in my life with fondness, some struggles, some, some hardship. And so often, a lot of those times as we we're going in the midst of them, there's real struggles. But you look back and go, man, those were the good old days. Why? I think it's because we come back to that place where we recognize God's faithfulness. We think about the people that we endure those things. We can see that God reached out and pulled us from the pits. We are reminded that all of these things we do to work together, God has been faithful through them. And how do we experience that grace anew? We pursue Him. It's one of the reasons you got this little card this morning. If you didn't get one, I made 50 of them. So there's still some around. So you see this verse in here. One of the things I, I encourage you, and in, in, in if you're regularly a part of the life of our church, this is the challenge we're going to have this year, is to hide God's Word in our hearts. What does Psalm 119 say it, that happens for? that we might not sin against Him. When we pursue God, He blesses it. And so, let's learn His Word together. Let's hold each other accountable to that. This isn't something that we've done in my time here. It's something that I've thought about several times, but I haven't really figured out the best way to make, the, you know, make it an emphasis in the entire life of the church. But somebody a few weeks ago said, do you remember when you used to print memory verses in the bulletin? Guys, that was a long time ago. That's before we changed the name of the church. And that's nine years this year. Yeah, it's been nine years. That's a long time ago. I'm like, yeah, I do. Probably ought to do that. Yeah, you ought to do that again. Okay. Well, then I'm working through this book with some, some newer folks in our church. It's called Growing in Christ. It's from the Navigators. It's a basic discipleship book, and it has... 13 memory verses. Well, we have 12 months to the year, right? We're going to learn 12 out of 13 of those this year. Why did I choose those? Because, well, this is a great verse. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. What happens when we work to apply this truth in our hearts every day, in a month, and then next month, look at another one, and then next one, and then the next one, and the next one. We have done what Psalm 119 says. We're hiding our words in our, in, in our heart, hiding His words in our heart. Why? To draw us to holiness, that we might not sin against Him. Now, I don't have a grade book, Okay? I'm not going to go and say, did you learn your verse and have my list? 
I don't want you to do that to me, so I'm not going to do that to you. However, I may ask you, do you know your verse? And you know what? If I ask you, that means I've been working on it too, guys. I'm not going to ask you to do something I'm not doing. But first month, Sunday of the month, we'll have a card in the bulletin. The rest of the Sundays, they're all going to be in the bottom corner of the bulletin. So if we run out of cards, it's still there. And we also have this amazing book that has all the words in it. And we learn those things. First John's at the end. It's one of the short ones, right? We see it all the way back here. Must have been true. It's all the way at the end. God's brought it back to us. So we learn these things. Our life is found in Christ alone. I encourage you to seek Him. This verse through January is going to be all over the place. You'll see it in emails. You'll see it on Facebook and Instagram and other things, whatever that may be, to help us to learn Him. That holy pursuit of the Lord. So I ask you the question that is brought before us in 1 John chapter 5. Do you know the Son? Because when you know Jesus, you have life. Otherwise, we're just spinning our wheels. Do you know him? Going into this new year, with all of its uncertainty, with all of its nerve-wracking things that can happen, do we know the author of history? That is Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you teach us to pursue you, to walk in your grace and your goodness. I thank you for how you work in us in our lives. And I pray that as we look at your word today, that as we examine your word in our hearts, we would bless you, that you would change us. I thank you that you are good and your love endures. May we seek you this new year, whether we're here in person, whether we're heading out of town, whether we are watching online, May we seek you in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand together and the altar's open. Response to obedience to him, to trust in him. Let's pray. We're going to sing a blessing today that we sang last week. And as you, um, as you may need to respond, you can do that, but we're going to sing this together. Mm-hmm.